Hello, and welcome back to Editor's Note. I'm Jordan. I'm Sawyer. And I'm Octavian. And let's get into it. Today we're talking about The Black Phone, a 2021 film. The IMDb synopsis reads... After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. The film was directed by Scott Derrickson. Uh, It was written by Joe Hill, Scott Derrickson, and C. Robert Cargill. It was based on a short story by Joe Hill. The screenplay was written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, we have decided to go bi-weekly because school. (laughs) Um, All of us are pretty involved in school and work and whatnot, and we think we would be able to put out better content and better for our mental health to be go back bi-weekly so starting this week we will be posting every other week from now on until foreseen future yeah (laughs) sorry if that disappoints anyone (laughs) okay well um so the black phone is it's an interesting concept that, like, like what if the previous, um, like, what if the previous victims could help you as a as the newest victim, like, get out and be free? Um, it's like an interesting concept to like think about talking to uh, the previous victims. Um, so this was this was my time my first my second time watching this um and the first time I watched it it was like on a really big tv and it was super spooky and like it really like the vibe was really happening um I think this movie's a lot more interesting on a first watch um because you don't know what's going to happen, and it's, like, all kind of a new concept in a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, still, like, the same old concept, but it's just twisted in ways where you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, So it kind of keeps you watching. Um, I do think that there are a lot of details that, because we watched it on a smaller screen this time, um, there are a lot of details that you can't see on a smaller screen that you can like really feel on a bigger one you can really be in the world um but I don't know on the first watch I was interested in it and I thought it was really cool the second watch it's really not like a second watch kind of movie because the whole point of it is that you don't know what's happening until the end Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's a lot of horror movies especially like right now like I don't think I would re-watch nope I would I'd rewatch anything that he does. <laughs> True. But mm. I love Jordan Peele. Um yeah. 
I... So, Octavian went in having watched it before. I went in having seen a TikTok synopsis about it. Because, <laughs> like, there's this girl who, like, recaps horror movies for people that want to know what happens in horror movies but don't really want to watch a horror movie or, like, various triggers, whatnot. Um, so, one of her videos about Black Phone came up and I was like, well, I'll watch it. So, I did. So, I knew everything was happening. And then Jordan came in completely blind. Yep. How did you feel? <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Um, I have seen some, like, scenes from it, um, but I didn't know what the context was, um, so it, like, didn't give anything away. Uh, yeah, it, I would probably agree with you, Octavian, that it, on the first watch, it is pretty intriguing. I think I was more paying attention than y'all were, maybe. But <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, that. no, you're, you're right. Um, but yeah, there were, there were definitely a lot of things in the build-up to, like, the action, to, like, the actual, like, abduction of Finn that I was still interested in, like, the dynamic of the family mm-hmm. and the, the way that Finn is treated at school and his relationship with his sister, I still found that interesting, and I think that taking the time to set that up instead of just doing kind of, like, a half-baked, like, rush through all that stuff, like, was, was more interesting. It than, made it more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, it did make me care about the way that, that Finn would be found, and... It made me care about the way that um, the sister is treated by her father um, and stuff like that. And so it just kind of made the actual abduction more have higher stakes and just more interesting in general. I... We were talking about the pacing earlier. I actually, I kind of liked the pacing. Um, I think that it maybe could have used, the The ending goes a little fast. Like you, you get to the place where you're like, okay, this is the climax. And then it's over like really, really quickly. Um, and so maybe that's a little anticlimactic. Um, my, but I didn't hate it. My only thing, I would say the be- I kind of liked the pace of the ending. Um, I would say the beginning felt like a little bit slow. I was like, okay, but but when is he, is he gonna get kidnapped? Um, <laughs> not that I like wanted that to happen, but like that it's the story of the movie. Um, but kind of on that at the end, I'm just I don't know what else he they would have done. Is thing because I. Like, he wouldn't have just, like, chilled there while he was dead. I mean, maybe it'd be more of, like, a fight put up. Because it kind of did feel like he, like, died really fast. For being such, like, an infamous grabber has killed five children. Two of which were known for being, like, the hot shots and, like, the people that knew how to fight. 
I think the idea behind it being like that was the other kids tried to fight and run, whereas Finn tried to outsmart him. Yeah. And that's why he won so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, because he had he had all of the, um, you could say, gifts that the other kids had given him, like the, the, the like, wire, um, the idea of digging the hole, the idea of giving through the wall so that he could get the meat to throw the dog, like, well, in the long run, he ends up going into the freezer and getting the meat and throwing it so the dog doesn't block his, like, exit. Mm Um, so, like, all of the, and then, of course, um, his, the fight, what's the fighting kid's name? But Robin. Robin. Of course, his, like, teaching him how to fight. That was cool. I liked, that was amazing. I, liked how they I really shot liked that. that. From like a cinema, from like a film perspective, I'm curious as to how if that was like he was legitimately in the room or was like some sort of like editing post stuff. Because I could see it being both. But I thought it was really cool how they manipulated the audio of like the kids that were talking. Like sometimes like the kids would be on screen. Um, and obviously they're all, like, bloody and dead, but, um, like, they'd be right next to him, but it still sound like it's coming through the phone, which I thought was really cool, mm-hmm. so props to sound design for that. Yeah, I, I really liked the sound design in this movie, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it would have hit as hard if they hadn't done that, mm-hmm. um, and then additionally, um, they're just little things that they do throughout, um, that you just, you don't usually recognize, um, but you, like, you're like, oh, this is a dream sequence, or stuff like that, because you can hear that it's, um, like, he's passed out, so you can hear that, and it's just interesting, the stuff that they used for it. I'm, like, a self-proclaimed hater of all things dream sequence. I just, I never see a purpose for them. However, I did, I did not mind them, in this one partially because i just i liked the girl like i i liked Mm -hmm. her character and i liked the way that the actress acted her i guess portrayed her um because like i don't know she didn't feel like a typical little sister yeah i think she was one of the best parts of the film Mm -hmm. i i loved her acting i thought it was i thought she was adorable but also Mm -hmm. she could play the um the harder parts yeah um, i liked their i liked her like i liked their flashback it wasn't a flashback it was a callback kind of um at the end of the film when they're sitting in a car or an ambulance of some sort um they're like wrapped in blankets and one of them puts their head on the other and that mimicked what they did right after she got beat by her their dad which i do want to talk about that mm-hmm. that plot device um but I thought that was a good callback to just be, like, to kind of re- reassure that they're, like, back together. And they're, like, because their bond, it's so, like, you just understand it by their body language. Like, they don't have to say anything. You just know that they're, like, close and they have a lot of love for each other, which I really liked. Yeah, I agree. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, th- I th- honestly think that's why they um had the father be um 
so aggressive mm-hmm. um, because they wanted them to have a common antagonist that wasn't each other because a lot of times siblings can get on each other's nerves um, but they kind of use each other as a safe space from their father mm-hmm. um, so which just further connects them to each other um, and something I found that was interesting is at the end you would expect the father to be like mad at him in some way because he gets mad at things that are ridiculous right it's like why would you be mad at that um but he's actually like just happy that he's there um which I think is really interesting for the character um because you get they don't have to tell you but you know that the reason he's like this is because something happened to their mother because she also had these abilities to see, th- to, to, to perceive things in different ways through dreams and visions and things like that. And that got her in trouble. And like, you, you don't need to know that. Like he, you, he kind of says it, but like you can see that him losing her affected him so much that he became a drunk and abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm, it's not an excuse. Um, but it's just what happened. But I liked that they fleshed out his character a little bit more instead of him just being abusive just to be abusive. Yeah. It still is never like a fun no, thing God. to watch though. Because no. like, what like. Obviously, she's not actually being hit, but it, it feels like she's being hit, and it's just like... I feel like they could have done a little bit more with the sound for that scene. Really? You think so? Maybe maybe I'm just remembering it more muted, because I that was the more beginning of the movie, but... I really liked the sound for that scene. Like, I th- it felt like I was, like... Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, gut-wrenching. Yeah. And especially with the actresses, um, her acting in that scene in particular, I really, really liked. Um, because it's hard to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm not trying to, like, just start talking about myself here, but um, when I was little, I, um, I I acted in a in an independent film where I was, like, the daughter of an abusive father and like it's scary because the actor he'll be so he'll be super nice to you like one minute and then as soon as the camera starts rolling he is just it's terrifying um and sometimes it's hard to keep yourself under control um and we ended up going through um a couple actresses who were playing my younger sister who couldn't handle it because it's it's hard it's scary um and I just think that that's yeah. I that's like props to her for being mm-hmm. able to do that and do it so well and convincingly like I just I thought that that scene was yeah. good acting that's, on her part that especially is not that I've like been in a situation where I've had to film that but like that especially just like you both have to like get to that emotional spot but also believe that it is happening to you which is almost like harder 
and it's like, yeah, props. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know what her name is, but she's going places. Jordan? Um, speaking about the father, I think that the parallels between the father and the grabber, both, like, as antagonists, um, for the kids is interesting, because the grabber's whole thing is that, you know, he, he plays this game with the kids that he takes called, like, Naughty Boy, and he's, like, waiting for a chance that he can, like, hit them with a belt, um, and then Finn's actual father, like, Finn's actual father, um, also hits, you know, Gwen with a belt, um, and so I, they don't explicitly state this in the film, but I think that something that they might have been trying to convey is that the reason that the grabber is kind of like this is because he was hit as a child in a similar way. Um, cause he talks about how the phone in the basement hasn't worked since he was a kid. Um, and like cycles of abuse are often, you know, cycles. <laughs> so it, uh, again, they don't talk about this explicitly in the film, but like throughout the entire, watching the entire thing, I was like waiting for a time when they were going to bring like. Ooh, sad backstory. The killer was abused, and now he's killing people and then abusing people. They didn't do that, which I appreciated, but mm -hmm. I would... That's the subtext that I garner from the film. So I think that the film kind of does a good job with, like, sort of making a statement about, like, again, the cycle of abuse and childhood and, you know, like, childhood pain. Mm -hmm. They talk a lot about, like, pain, like, throughout the movie. Like, Finn being beat up by the bullies, Finn, the kids being, like, beat by each other, the kids being beat by the grabber, the, you know, Gwen being beat by her father. There's, like, a lot of just pain. Mm -hmm. And they describe it, like, in a very childhood-esque way like there's no romanticism of around it there's no like poeticness it's just like it's just terrifying it's awful it's it'll make you wish you were dead stuff like that um i think that there's something very kind of i guess i'll say beautiful about the ending of the movie being the father kneeling in front of his children and just like pleading and begging with them and saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And they're, they just don't say anything. Um, they just like lean into each other, like someone said earlier. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe that's the point of the movie, who knows? I mean, I think with this type of film, it's not unheard of. Or rather, it's, like, kind of, you want to know, like, the reason why he is doing this. 
and I kind of, I agree, I kind of like that they didn't have, like, a, oh, I was abused as a child, and now I am inflicting the pain on others type of, like, thing, because I feel like that storyline is always, like, overplayed, and just, like, part of me is, like, honestly, I'm kind of okay with him just being a killer, like, I'm okay with there not being an explanation as to why he is, but I would agree that there is probably some, like, underlying subtext of he was most likely hurt as a child um and with like the phone thing it's very possible that like maybe he that phone is still there or like it's there it's his childhood home right um that when he was younger and being like beaten by whomever if he was that he was trying to use that phone to call for help mm-hmm. yeah I think there are a lot of plot holes in the movie, like yeah. why the phone's there in the first place and does he know if the ghosts can call it, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, and I know that some people would complain about that, but for me, like, honestly, it was ki- it's kind of nice not to, like, mm-hmm. have to think about all the, like, why it's just there. Like, why does the little girl have the dreams? I don't know, because she does. And why does he, like, see and talk to the ghost? Or he doesn't see the ghost, but how? why does he, like, why can he hear them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, most of the time, I will say I do like it when it's, um, when they really delve deep into the details and you know exactly why. But this time, honestly, it just, it kind of just felt, it felt more like, um, like a really dark 80s film Mm -hmm. where it's just there's not there's not a reason why things are happening they just happen because somebody thought it'd be interesting yeah which sometimes can be a little bit of a break i know you've talked about it before um i don't know do you have any it's kind of refreshing it just told me what to think about the characters and i thought that about the characters (laughs) i think that kind of going back like if we're gonna view this as a through the lens of like talking about like the cycle of abuse or whatever I think that you could maybe make the case that like and this isn't like an answer to any of the like things that you just talked about but like you could maybe make the case that there's sort of saying something about the grabber supposedly can also hear the phone ring even though it's disconnected and then Gwen keeps having these strange dreams about things that she, you know, she keeps having dreams about things that she theoretically shouldn't be able to know. She is kind of seeing things, and then obviously Finn can hear the phone, and he can see, sort of see the boys in the room. Like, he sees the one kid, like, hanging from the ceiling. Um, You could make, maybe make the case that, like, in another in another life like though the kids would have ended up sort of similar to the grabber in some way like it's more than just like the fact that there's kind of like a cycle of abuse happening but they're also connected through the fact that they can like see things that freak other people out mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was getting from it I thought that they were going to go more into like 
Finn being able to hear the phone and the grabber being able to hear the phone. Yeah. But then they never did. So that's kind of... That's the spin that I'm putting on it for my own interpretation of the film. And if no one else agrees, that's okay. Yeah. I do think it would have been interesting to know whether or not he actually does hear it because like there's a time when he's like do you hear the phone ringing i feel like i hear a phone ringing and it's like from upstairs and it's you can if you listen you can barely hear the ringing um and so it kind of leaves that question in your mind like okay does he have somebody he's talking to that's like from his past who's passed away um but I think they're also trying to keep this sort of like ambiguity to him or it's like you don't know if he was abused you don't know if he like he they give hints that he was and they give hints that he like knows about the phone but they also give hints that he doesn't um so I think they want him to be like kind of this unknown like creature even even at the end, they never fully show Ethan Hawke's face. Like, mm-hmm. even when the mask is taken off, he's still his hair is covering his face. Like, I think they're trying to keep him like this boogeyman kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, that is scarier because you don't know his story, and he kills his brother without a second thought. And, like, the type of person who's able to do that is terrifying. And the type of people who are able to do that, you don't understand their thought process. And I think it's interesting that they chose to go in a direction where you don't really know the character. He's he's more flat. Um, he's kind of one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad thing. I think it is a creative choice, really. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, here's the thing. A lot of time, I know this is this isn't a real story, but a lot of times, um, especially right now with like the popularity of true crime podcasts and things like that, which don't get me wrong, I also listen to, but there tends to be a push towards the direction of people wanting to know more about the killer than they do about the victims. Um, just because we don't understand it um so we anything we don't understand we naturally are going to be curious about and want to know more um but the problem with that um is it puts these killers into a position of fame um which is multiple god many of the serial killers that have come up have done it for their own reasons but also because they wanted they wanted the fame that comes with it. Yeah. Um, like Jeffrey Dahmer wanted a TV show about him. Yeah. He wanted. At, <laughs> yeah, I have. Not issue. talk about that. <laughs> I got issues with the true crime, all of it. Yeah. Especially that and like the romanticization mm-hmm. of it. It's like, ugh. Yeah. But. That's a whole other topic though, but. Um, what was I saying? Um, oh, yeah. So they. Basically, there's this like romanticization is an is a is a word for it but um 
just this fascination towards the grotesque and unknown um and i just think it's interesting that they decided to go the opposite direction with that and instead focus more on the boy and his sister and his friends and his bullies um and they spent a lot of time in the movie on that and in that time usually you would be like learning about like the killer's history and and finding ways to sympathize with the killer or just learn about him because it's grotesque and it's interesting to just try to understand people who you don't understand um but so I think it was a choice like a creative choice to be like no this character is going to be very flat and one-dimensional he's scary because he's scary and we're gonna flesh out the kid because you need to care about the person that he's doing this to and the people he's he's done this to yeah because it doesn't killing and things like that should not be like Mm -hmm. romanticized while he was like like um the kid was in the cellar and like within that stuff for like um all the second and basically to the end of the third act um arguably um i kind of on that i liked that he both was and wasn't there at all times if that makes sense like um we like he did like come and like talk to him like a couple times but i like that the focus was on the boy figuring out how to get out rather than like having the kill her having like Ethan Hawke's character like on camera all the time mm-hmm. that makes sense like I feel like a lot of shows would have like focused a lot more on the killer and like the killer's actions outside of having the boy captured mm-hmm. where we literally have no idea what he did during the day yeah and I think that makes uh, him scarier yeah so I really liked that how do you feel about the ending with him killing him I thought it was awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean I understand that some people will be like well he's a kid he can't kill him like a grown adult but I thought it it fit well because you're right the other kids were fighters and he wasn't a fighter but he like he literally was bullied his whole life mm-hmm. and the biggest bully of his life ever he defeats and I think is really cool yeah one thing I liked about the ending, um, and I kind of thought about this slash talked about this like right when we finished the movie, this character is the sideline know-it-all character from other movies, if that made any sense. Um, so, like, I feel like in... Su- it's not necessarily, like, horror, um... But there's, like, a character, like, in Lock and Key, there is a character that, like, went through the trauma that happens in Lock and Key and um, kind of, like, knows about it. Same thing happened in, uh, there's, like, a movie with a house. I'm forgetting what the name of it is. But um, this character is, like the, like, the character that, like, got out and, like, has experience in this. But normally, at the, after that, that character is portrayed as, like, weird and, like, not weird, but just, like, standoffish and, like, traumatized, I guess. But 
this character kind of turned it and he is more confident and like he ends the movie smirking um and like he's like uh the, the he turns to the girl and the girl's like hey finny and he's like call me finn and i was like i really liked that character choice for him because he was a lot more like confident when i feel like a lot of directors would have or not directors a lot of screenwriters would have chosen to like have him be more timid timid theoretically um so i liked that he was kind of like yeah i did just beat my villain i might have killed him but i beat him i think to kind of combine what both of you have said the movie kind of feels like um almost like not quite a love letter but just like a metaphor for um kids who have been um abused or bullied um because he starts off being well you it's implied that he was he's been beat by his father as the sister has um but he's beat up by kids at school he's like he's he already is this really awkward like socially inept kind of kid because he's stuck in this like world where he feels like he can't do anything about it um Mm -hmm. and that that can be relatable to a lot of people um and then once he like he he always has had someone else fight his battles for him be it his sister or um, his friends and then finally he has the help from his friends like from the like the kids who have passed but ultimately when he had to fight like the biggest bully of his life he had to do that alone and it was kind of like a metaphor for him like getting past that like uh, abuse and being stronger after um so like he when he's like walking into the classroom and everybody's like wow he's like he's like a superhero kind of thing mm-hmm. it's because he he like if you think of it in the in the if you think of it in the context of it being not a serial killer but a abusive family member um and like getting past that and out of it um it can be a really like like a releasing feeling um so I think and same with like bullying if 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 it's all a metaphor for bullying too like once you finally stand up for yourself against the bully after like all those years it's gonna feel good and I think if they had done anything else with him like being more socially outcast or more awkward anything like that it would have completely defeated the point yeah I liked it I thought it was good (laughs) yeah I agree with what you said like you can look at it as just like a 
no underlying, but you can also look at it from like a medical metaphorical standpoint, really analyze it, which can be really fun. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything necessarily I would change about this film. I really liked how they combined the A plot line and the B plot line. Um, I don't know. I just think it went together really well. And I think it concluded really well. Like, I cared equally about both what was happening to him, but also what was happening with the sister. And just all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, sometimes films have trouble doing that. Like it, it's mm-hmm. very clearly like, okay, I don't care about this part. Let's get back to the, let's get back to the good part. But it was the times when it focused on the sister came at at good times and was a good uh, breath from the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they weren't pulling the punches with the blood. Like when the when the kid like one of the bully kids gets hit by the rock by the sister. Oh my like the blood just like gushes out of his head. Yeah, and that wasn't even one of the scary parts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eight point three out of ten blood rating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty good blood. Mm Mm-hmm. And the definitely the the part with the kid um in this in the like basement um like bent oh like yeah floating and bent over that that really got me um ironically i feel like that was the most jump scary part of the movie Mm -hmm. like i knew it was happening because obviously there's always going to be something when there's a flashlight flashing places there just always is with the development of horror and film and cinema but I think I thought it was done well <laughs> real quick mm. I want to talk about the fact that you watched something that told you the synopsis of everything before we watched this well I didn't intention I watched it like three weeks ago or more than <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I don't go out of my way to watch horror movies. <laughs> I wish I did. I just didn't grow up watching them. And I kind of am annoyed at my parents for that because, like, I, um, coming to, like, film school, I feel like literally almost all of my film from friends love horror movies. And, like, just, it just, in our film school that, like, it just horror is talked about a lot for whatever reason, and a lot of people watch the horror movies. And I haven't watched, like, the majority of them. So, I don't intend on going on, like, a journey to watch all, like, the famous ones. Because I just don't gravitate towards horror. I'm I'm really character-driven, and I feel like sometimes horror is not the best at characters. Um, objectively. <laughs> it depends on the type of horror that you're watching, though. Yeah. It really does, because some of the best horror is character-driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah. I'm just not super experienced within the horror genre, but from the little I've seen, I feel like this is one of the better horror movies that I've seen. I wasn't trying to, like, make <laughs> you feel bad. I just think it was interesting, because 
for me, if I had known what was happening, mm-hmm. like, in what was going to happen, I don't think I would have enjoyed the film as much. I liked, cin- I am a big, ci- I'm also a big cinematographer person, so I like the cinematography of it. I mean, it was a little bit, like, oh, I already know what's going to happen, but I also was, like, also was kind of glad I knew what was going to happen, because, like, I don't react to the best to horror things also. Like, I'm bad, <laughs> I'm really bad at jump scares. Um, so... I was sitting there and Jordan was like actually jumping at all the jump scares and was so confused at what was happening and very invested and I've already seen it so I was like just kind of like half paying attention and and then Sawyer was over there just like chilling and I was like as a person who doesn't watch a lot of horror you seem to be (laughs) fine with this so it makes a lot more sense now yeah in hindsight (laughs) Yeah, like, I watched the synopsis for, um, the new movie, like, the one with the, they climbed the tower. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in watching that. Yeah, it's, it seems really scary. Final thoughts, feelings, emotions, concerns, conflicts, <laughs> all the above. <laughs> nice. Um, follow us on Editor's Note Podcast on instagram and we have a tiktok um we don't use tiktok that often um just because it's podcast content and we don't show our faces so it's a little hard but yeah um see y'all in two weeks (laughs) Bye. bye